Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now on Options Action, the state of the consumer, so important that we are devoting a second week to it. We're getting ahead of earnings from Target, Dollar General, and two under-the-radar auto-related names. Then we're following in the grocery footsteps footsteps of category leader Walmart with the number two and three in the space slated to report next week. Finally, an Arctic blast from the past week, that is, in Yeti. Find out how we're managing a trade that left us cold. I'm Sarah Eisen. In tonight for Melissa Lee, this is Options Action live from the NASDAQ market site. On the desk tonight, Mike Coe, Carter Worth, and Bono and Eisen. Welcome, everyone. As we've mentioned, it's another pivotal week for retail earnings, so we're devoting a second Options Friday to them. And we are starting with Target, up more than 10% so far this year, but sliding from recent highs. Carter, what do the charts say ahead of earnings on Tuesday? Right. So uh, there are two ways to look at Target, of course, just on its own. And as an absolute chart, it has all the characteristics of a bearish to bullish reversal. But another way to look at Target, and this is very important, is as a ratio chart to Walmart. Right. It's its closest comp. And if you look at that, Walmart is the favorite and Target is, is the, the less uh, desired or wanted on Wall Street in terms of the analyst community. But we're playing the opposite. We think Target actually is going to do better on its earnings result than Walmart did on its. One of the reasons why is because they're more exposed to consumer discretionary than staples. Target, that is. You've got a trade for us here, Mike? Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting situation because Target doesn't look terribly cheap, not on a trailing basis. Now, this is a name that has really moved very sharply on the last several earnings that they've had. They've had two double-digit moves out of the last three earnings that they've reported. It's implying about an 8.5% move right now. Uh, you know, this is a difficult situation. I would not be inclined to go out and purchase the stock right here. But I do think that when you consider, uh, you know, the environment or in the fact that we've seen some pullback, they actually had some good relative strength in, uh, in Target today. I think one thing you could do is look out to the end of March, the March ending 170, 190 call spread. I was looking at that today. You could spend just over a quarter of the distance between the strikes. So that's $20 wide spread. You can spend a little over $5. Look, I mean, if you have a name that's going to move, call it 8 9% over the course of the next uh, week to 10 days, you know, this is a way when even though options premiums are elevated, that you can limit that risk. And spending 5 bucks over a $167 stock, I think, is you know, one of the ways that you can think about making bullish play in this name and others, because I just think we're in a very tough market environment. And, you know, this is a way that you can limit your risk when you're making an upside bet. Bonoin, are you, is this three for three, bullish target? Uh, no, I, but although I do like the trade. So I, I like the fact that you're outlaying a very limited amount of cash. I, clearly, a, the option spread allows you to kind of contain your risk. You know exactly what your payouts are going to be. I'm just not really inclined to be getting any more exposure to the consumer, even though there is like a pretty decent business mix here. You've seen from Walmart, even though they, you know, they beat earnings like the guidance and, and, and the inventory with the whole LIFO accounting presented some challenges. I think we've kind of seen this story play out before where Target lagged after Walmart lagged. And I'm inclined to think a similar situation might happen. If you do want to play the bull case, this is the way that I would do it, however. All right. Another consumer facing name, AutoZone. That stock also positive so far for the year, Carter. Right. Well, this, if you were ever to look for something that's north by northeast, steadily higher, never extended, uh, AutoZone is it. In fact, if you were to look at AutoZone's look performance, at Auto's, since its IPO, uh, it's almost doubled that of Microsoft. This is one of the most reliable operating companies 
um, that exists, and I think it will just be more of the same in response to earnings. Why doesn't it look overextended? Well, it, actually, it's not. That's the funny thing. That's a, that on your screen there. You're seeing an arithmetic chart, right? The rate of change. If you if you look at a log chart, it's not getting any further ahead of itself than it's been in any preceding 12-month period. Bonowin. Yeah, I tend to like this one, uh, particularly when you compare it to like um, an, an AAP. And I know we don't play would you rather on this show, but I'm would you rathering and I'm going with AutoZone, particularly, you know, when you start to look at margins and uh, uh, the inflation that you're seeing in the auto space. Right. I think used cars and new and new car prices bode well for ability to kind of expand or at least hold margin in this particular name. Mike? Yeah, yeah, you have a, you know, a consumer that's under some pressure. Uh, you know, when we had really low rates, you didn't like your car, you could go and trade it in and have low monthly payments. Uh, you know, we had obviously very high used car prices as well. If you have a consumer that is being stretched a little bit, maybe you're going to try to maintain your old car. This is a company that has consistently delivered good EPS growth. Right now, it's trading about 20 times trailing, but you're looking at maybe 13, 14% year-on-year EPS growth anticipated in a market where we're not really expecting. I've already said that I thought S&P earnings overall are going to fall, but this is a place where I actually could see them rising because I think this is an area where you are going to see consumer demand because they're under such pressure. I, I imagine that the chart is such an outlier to auto stocks, right, and, and consumer stocks in general. Well, right, not a high correlation to autos, and it, it, it's this. If you look at O'Reilly, it's almost as good, uh, but to your question about extended, if you just sort of measure how far above its moving average it is, it is, it is and you can see it there on the screen, it, it is actually not extended. Um, it's, it's very different than AAP uh, as an operator, and the chart reflects that. Well, the rival in foil to AutoZone is advanced auto parts. Shares down more than 5% this year, so what do you see in that chart? Well, this is the equal and opposite circumstance. If one is north by northeast, this is south by southwest. It's just down and to the right. And generally speaking, as a rule of thumb, don't buy stocks in downtrends. You, you Bono, and this is one you like. No, no, no. Let's not put words in my mouth. And let's certainly not okay, put okay, those okay, words okay, in my mouth. Okay. No, I, I don't like this one. I would rather uh, AutoZone Got over it. AAP. I'm just using it as a comp. And, I, you know, the, the only positive thing I really can say is uh, it's, it's multiple. Uh, it's about 11, 11 and a half times, but I think that's more of a value trap situation here. And if you look at the margins, as I mentioned before, there's a reason why AutoZone mm-hmm. trades at a, at a premium. I mean, it's trading at 11 and a half times earnings because year-on-year anticipated nominal top-line growth is really negative, right? Because it's going to be flat year-on-year. Same thing with EPS. So this is not a growing company. In real terms, it's actually a shrinking company. And that's, that's what a value trap basically is. And it's kind of perplexing in some ways because there has to be some operational issues that could be resolved here because you see other operators in the space who seem to be doing okay, but, but they are not. All right. Bonowin, Bonowin would rather not. Let's be clear. <laughs> Finally, Dollar General sliding nearly 13% this year. But if more consumers trade down, could its stock trade up, Mike? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It doesn't look that way, does it? Uh, you know, you, th- that would be the natural conclusion that we would make. Now, one of the things that uh, Bonowin was bringing up is that, you know, some of these retailers have had actually pretty surprising inventory challenges uh, because consumer demand has really been moving around and shifting around. And I also think that there was just an ideal environment for retail that we were in uh, during the pandemic that has now essentially gone away. And so you have companies, I think, that people anticipated they were perfectly set up 
Uh, and in fact, it turns out that quite the opposite is true. You know, this week we did actually see a big bullish bet. Somebody went out and bought a thousand of the May 280 calls. And you just take a look at it and say, well, the stock is well below that. My suspicion is somebody who is spending a small amount of money on a call like that is either short the stock and perhaps hedging their exposure mm -hmm. or just taking a punt, not reaching, willing to reach out and buy the stock. We should but. mention they pre-announced this week, and it was pretty ugly. Um, they blamed the winter storm, cut guidance, and uh, provided a pretty weak outlook. Yeah, providing a weak outlook on, on a storm that doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> how convenient. How, how, how long do we get to I guess use it, that it excuse? Hurt traffic and, and inventories. Car Carter, how does yeah, the chart look? Not good. I mean, uh, look, price momentum tells you more about a business. Just to be clear, no one wants to accept this, but it's important. If you have a chart that's going down for five years, is that a business that's growing its sales and its margins and getting more customers, or is it the opposite? Price momentum opposite. is one of the, exactly. <laughs> when stocks are going up, generally speaking, they're good operators. When they're going down, it's the opposite. This is a stock that's rolled over, just dropped and gapped, uh, not good. But there is this idea that some of these stocks are, are recession-proof, sure. and when the consumer trades down, Walmart talked about it on their call, they benefit. Right, and, and at some point, a stock, it's a dirty word, can be cheap, but this is not cheap here. Do you agree, Bonwin? Uh, I do tend to agree. Now, there's a lot that I actually do like about this business. I'm going to try to find some glimmer of hope here. I like the emphasis on consumables. I do like some of their expansion into the healthcare business, which you're seeing a lot of other companies do. So I, I do think they have some things done right. But again, I just can't catch a falling knife, and that chart is ugly. So you know, until that starts to kind of turn, I'd rather play with the trend than against the trend. All right, rather not again. <laughs> for everything Options Action, check out our website and our newsletter. There's more Options Action coming for you right after a quick break. As the number one grocer in the U.S., Walmart's quarterly results from this week painted a picture of a stretching consumer. Number two and three in the grocery space, Costco and Kroger, report next week. So we've set up two different options plays, so you don't bite off more than you can chew. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Welcome back to Options Action on a Friday. As we have been mentioning, this coming week is another big one for consumer-related quarterly results. Last week, Walmart, as the largest grocer in the U.S., set the stage with a picture of the consumer becoming increasingly stretched. This week, the number two and three grocers are set to report. Mike got his call to action on the first one, Costco. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about two different names you know, fundamentally, I kind of like both, but I think both are in a dangerous spot right here. The first one we're going to talk about is Costco. This is one of my Holly Index names. Uh, anybody who shops at Costco knows you can't walk out of that store without spending quite a lot of money. And there's a couple of things that you could really like about their business model relative to their competitors. First of all, the membership model, that is very helpful. You don't really have uh, challenging inventory problems there. Additionally, they would have less inventory problems than most of their competitors anyway. Costco has very few SKUs relative to other uh, retailers on the grocery side, and they also negotiate very good prices. And you would also think that uh, people who are cost conscious are going to try to get the best prices. That is obviously helpful, and they probably appeal to a slightly higher end than DG or something like that. That said, the thing is trading 32 times earnings right here. 
And we are not in an environment that's going to favor basically uh, the growth story and growth names. And I think that's really what Costco is. Uh, like many other stocks uh, in this environment and like the market itself in a higher volatility, I think one of the things you could do if you own this name, so this is one of the names in Kroger too, by the way, that, that we happen to own, but going into the, their numbers, I think you might want to take advantage of using put spreads to hedge. Uh, I was just looking out again to the end of March. I was looking at the 470, 450 put spread. Going to spend a little less than five bucks uh, on that spread. That's the kind of math that we typically like payoffs of three to one or slightly better. Uh, you're going to be risking only 1% of the current stock price, by the way, if you're just going to try to make a bearish bet going into earnings with this. So this is, you know, relative to the price of the stock itself, obviously a relatively small outlay. But, I, you know, it's just a, it's a difficult environment, even for the names we like. And, of course, we own stocks, so sometimes you want to hedge the downside. It's funny that you call Costco a growth stock. <laughs> It's but it's priced defend, that it's way, and of course, kind of, it, in terms of what yeah. it sells, mm -hmm. staples. It's also another amazing long-term chart, but amazing. has done a lot of nothing in that's the last right. year. That's right. That's exactly right. And so the question is: Is something about to change, or is it going to be more of a lot of nothing? And I think that's the case. It's, so it's in, from my seat. It's in the Apple uh, category. It's not particularly immediately exciting up or down. It's probably where it belongs. But in that kind of thing, I'd rather take a chance with something and lose money or make money than the greatest sin of all, which is fallow money. It's wasting time. Bottle in? Mm. Break the tie? Greatest sin of all. I, I, I will break the tie here. Um, Carter just got me thinking there. So, listen, I, I understand Mike's trade, and I think if, in, if I put it in a vacuum and it's just the only name that I hold, I can understand spending some premium to hedge it. I would be less concerned about Costco in my portfolio than many other pockets, right? And so I'd be more inclined, and I understand that it trades at a rich multiple, but I'd be more inclined to spin premium hedging something else, particularly more kind of uh, catered to like the, the discretionary or retail side of the consumer subsector. I think Costco's fine. That membership type of backdrop to me gives it a margin of error, a margin of safety that I don't think is, is in a lot of the other names. Let's turn to the other big player in the space here, which is Kroger, biggest pure play U.S. growth grocer to report results on Thursday as well. What's the setup here? They, they've had a nice run. So this it's an interesting because this is another name I own. And this is a name that's trading only 10 times. And uh, I don't really expect to see that come in a whole lot. It is a relatively stable business. They're in the midst of working out this Albertsons acquisition. Um, you know, this is the first acquisition they've had, I think, since 2015 or so. The thing is, uh, you know, when I bought this originally, and I, I look at charts, but I am not a chartist. We're going to rely on Carter for that. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't look good at all. Uh, and so here, too, is a situation where this is a name I want to hold, but I have to, I, I want to know why the stock is trading so poorly. So here, too, again, I was looking at a, at a put spread. Luckily, a name like this is relatively low. Uh, volatility, so the options premiums are not that elevated. Uh, I was looking out to the regular way April expiration. In this case, the 43.39 put spread. Uh, and just as a reminder, you know, one of the reasons we use put spreads in situations like this when, when volatility is elevated, especially on a stock that has come in so much already, is that I'm probably assuming that the valuation is going to create a floor in there somewhere. Um, and that's the reason that I'm not just buying a put outright. I don't think that the bottom is going to fall out for this. But it is clearly under pressure. I'm sure there's a reason. We're probably going to find out. I when mean, they it's true. Earnings. The strong run has really been in the sales gains that they've had, and the stock is up from pre-pandemic, but but not performing perhaps as well as say Mike thinks it should, or or have the results of reflected. That's right. So your your comment of it's not performing well that is 
while it seems so simple, that is, says it all. If, if something is really cheap, it won't stay there. Money goes to it. And so, therefore, the market is making a conclusion that it's not cheap, albeit 10 times earnings, but there's no growth here. There's no growth in net income, and the real risk is that it can get cheaper. You know, this is what always happens, too. When you're trying to look at something, you know, this is a trader's market, and you're trying to look at something from a long-term fundamental standpoint, you know, what I usually assume is the case is that if the price action is inconsistent with my fundamental view, that I'm missing something. And I'm waiting to find out what that is. Earnings could be what that is. I don't want to sell the stock. I'm not going to sell it at 10 times earnings. But I am going to hedge my downside. Well, I think the Albertsons deal is a heavy lift, also, as you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, uh, these types of integrations obviously are always an issue. They they're mentioning they think there's going to be a billion dollars worth of synergies. That actually is going to hit if that's true. Two years from now, they're going to wrap that in 2024. That's going to be meaningful. I mean, that's like a 30 percent increase in EPS if they can get it done and if they recognize those synergies. Albertsons not trading as if it's getting done. Yeah, necessarily. When we come back, we're going to take a look at a few past trades. The options updates are coming for you next. And during February, we're celebrating Black Heritage. Here's our own Frank Holland. No one does anything alone. During Black Heritage Month, we must remember the people that laid the groundwork for the opportunities that we all enjoyed today. For me, that's my parents and especially my mom, who always explained to me, Everything that we have has been worked for, sacrificed for, and prayed for, and none of it was given. I know there were many times my mom or my grandparents, or even further back, took less, endured disrespect, and put their own dreams to the side, put me in the position that I'm in today. I was the first person in my family to graduate college. I never forget, it was all made possible by my family. They found a way to open doors and create opportunities when there just really wasn't a way, and it was all hard work, sacrifice, and prayer. Welcome back to Options Action. A few weeks back, the traders highlighted a bearish bet in XRT. That's the retail ETF since then. It's down nearly 5%, Mike. I think, I think, yeah, we've uh, pretty much told you how we feel about the retail sector, I think, so far today. So if you were inclined to follow that trade, I think you can stay in it, or you can follow some of these other trades that we were talking about earlier in the show. Which is you do not like retail and you stay bearish. In, in general, no. Yes. And last week, Mike kept it cool with a bullish trade in Yeti. The company missed earnings, and then the stock is down about 9% since then. What's the, what's the trade there? Yeah, well, we, uh, we were just buying calls there, so we actually didn't risk essentially the same amount as, as purchasing the stock. I feel like it's starting to hold up now. I'm going to have to defer to the technician, though, on this one because uh, I'm inclined to buy some more calls in it. I'm with you. So an unhappy outcome, a drop and gap on heavy volume in response to what must have been unhappy news. I never look at the earnings reports because the price action tells us something's wrong. The question is, is it weakness to take advantage of or weakness to stay away from? There's only two types. I think you take advantage of it. You liked this too, Bonwin, didn't you? I did. Uh, I also was a proponent of, the, of risking limited amount of premium via calls. Uh, I mean, the, gu- the guidance wasn't really pretty. I mean, let's just call it what it is, right? So, you know, long and wrong there. Uh, but, but clearly defining risk is a highlight of why you're going to use options to express uh, whether it be a bullish or bearish view in that context. Well said on Options Action. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. It is time to take some tweets. Our first fan says, 
a little perplexed by the recent DraftKings run, still not profitable or even break even. Thoughts on May $20 puts. What do you think, Bodwin? Oh, this is kind of a two-part question. So I think the run-up was really, it's really about expectations versus reality. And that that loss was narrower than expected. And you're starting to see some trends in the right direction. In terms of the, the strike of the put, I'm not really inclined to buy an in-the-money put in this in this particular environment. We've been talking about conserving premium. So I'd buy something more, you know, at the money or, or downside if I was inclined to buy, put on a bearish bet. Our next fan asked, NVIDIA, too far, too fast? How would you play it here, Carter? I think it is. In fact, as good as it was this week in response to its earnings, consider this. Where it closed, last week's high was 230, and it closed at 232. That's all you got? It's definitely too far too fast. I would trim longs or uh, buy the 230 puts for April. They're going for about 16 bucks. Wow, not impressed with uh, NVIDIA. Time now for one more tweet. This one asks, with SoFi coming back down after earnings pop, and several catalysts coming up in the next year, such as the student loan repayment decision by the Supreme Court. How do you feel about the July 21st $7 calls? Risk reward seems nice here, Mike. Yeah, they are expensive options, but they should be because this thing really moves around and I'd rather buy those calls in the stock. You're giving yourself some time, but the stock looks a little weak to me otherwise. All right, it is time for our final call. Call, Carter. Target on the long side, playing for a good response to earnings. Bonowin. If you care to swim in the retail mur murky waters, I would stick with something like AZO, AutoZone. Mike. Yeah, I like, uh, you know, for Target, I think call spreads are a way to play it with very limited risk going into earnings. Love all the retail talk. Thank you all tonight. And that's going to do it for us on Options Action. We're back next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Mad Money with Jim Cramer is up next. Have a great weekend, everyone. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies.